ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search for highly rated doctors near you that take your insurance. Once you've found the one you like, you can book an in-person or online appointment instantly. ZocDoc covers every specialty, so you can find the right doctor for any condition. Plus, it has reviews from real patients, which means you feel good about whoever you choose. Go to ZocDoc.com 20K and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then, find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's zocdoccom slash 20K. ZocDoc.com slash 20K. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz, the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. Imagine you're watching a movie. It's a busy scene in some major downtown city. But there's people in the background walking, talking, laughing, and generally going about their normal day. The city is alive with sound. However, on the film set, the background actors are actually completely silent. That's right. None of those background sounds are actually happening. The actors in the background are told to appear like they're talking, laughing, and yelling, but not to actually make any noise while doing it. The film set is kept as quiet as possible to get a clean recording of the lead actor's performances. This also goes for scenes in loud places like concerts or a club. The actors may be yelling, but on set, there's nothing else being heard. So eventually, all of that background chatter has to be recreated. Recently, Flora Lichtman from the fantastic podcast Every Little Thing talked with some of the talented people who make those voices. And if you like 20,000 Hertz, I think you'll really like Every Little Thing. It's about the small stuff that makes a big difference. Here's their report. Yeah, so do, do a bed of just people in the police station. One, two, three. I had no idea that this type of work even existed. People in this industry don't know. I didn't know until I got a call from Dan, so... But it's in everything. It is in everything. Okay, we'll just do a bottle. We'll do another bottle. Thank you. So we just kind of have to come in and be a chameleon and do whatever they want. Now when I watch a film or a television show, I, I can't even watch it in the same way. All day. Lucy's, Lucy's, Lucy's. bricks. Come on, big girl. You shouldn't know that we're there. But once you do, you will always hear us. Today, the actors you always hear but never see. Their story starts 40 years ago on the movie Jaws. Crew members from around the country had gathered on a beach in Cape Cod to make cinema history. It was magical. <sighs> this, this may be disappointing to you, <clears throat> but it, it, was, it was a movie. It was a difficult location. The crew was tired and angry and overworked and underpaid. It was a job. Meet Carl Gottlieb. We worked under difficult conditions. The mechanical shark had issues, and we had to work around all those things. Carl co-wrote Jaws. The screen credit is screenplay by Peter Benchley, who wrote the novel, and Carl Gottlieb, who did the rewrite on location. 
So why did you have to do the rewrite on location? What was the problem with the script? It was awful. It just <laughs> wasn't good. And I'd, I, I, I had uh, shared with Stephen, and he, he had sent me a copy of the proposed shooting script and with a note on the cover saying, eviscerate it. So Carl did eviscerate. And eventually the mechanical shark came to life. Steven Spielberg shot the film and Verna Fields edited it. We were in Verna Fields' home where she was cutting in her garage, the, cutting the film. And there's a, a point in every film where the film is spotted for music and effects. In other words, the director says, oh, can we add something, some music under here? And, oh, look, I see a lot of people in the shot. We're going to need some crowd sounds there. Whenever there was a crowd scene being filmed, the extras were always instructed, don't, don't say anything, just move your lips and we'll put in the sound later. Can we just take a minute? Yes, the extras that you see in movies are often miming. And there are a couple reasons for this. First, putting in the background sound later allows you to get clear recordings of the primary actors. And it's also cheaper because of the way that actor pay scales work. And then they would put in a crowd sound either from a, from a film library of other crowds. And sometimes uh, if it was a small group or a group that had to express a particular, you know, emotion or something, the uh, sound editors would, you know, grab a bunch of colleagues from the editorial department. They'd stand in the hall with a tape recorder and they'd, uh, you know, go rhubarb, rhubarb, Wait, 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 wait. And, and that would sound all, like a crowd. That would sound like a crowd. Why were people saying sassafras, sassafras, sassafras? Like, why not just talk regularly? If you get a room full of people and tell them to say rhubarb, sassafras, sassafras, rhubarb, there are no specific words that emerge from the crowd. Uh, it, 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 it becomes noise rather than, you know, discernible dialogue. And for the purposes of filmmaking in those days, that's basically all you needed was crowd noise, crowd background. This is actually how it was done. But back in Verna's garage, the team had this offhand idea. I don't know whether it was Verna or Steven uh, basically said, would, would it be great if uh, we could, if we wanted to dial up, the, you know, turn up the crowd sound, we could actually hear voices talking in New England accents and really, you know, nail down where we are. So the idea is that even the background sound would be authentic. Exactly. The people who were familiar with New England accents would talk like they were from Bahaba, Maine, or, or Boston, and and all those voices had to be kind of appropriate. So, what is this? Is this insight into what Stephen is like as a director? It sounds very meticulous. It is very meticulous, and Stephen is is an extremely meticulous director. He wanted the background sound to be right. We're talking about being obsessed with background noise. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes, you want it, you want it to be all right. Just like when you're looking at a crowd of extras in a, you know, Roman chariot spectacle, you don't want to see any of them wearing a wristwatch. So that, you know, that's the same the same eye for detail. Okay, so Carl and his then partner Allison Kane cast the background sound of jaws. They hired improv actors who could do New England accents, and for 3 days, they transformed themselves into Massachusetts beach bums. Like here, in this scene, early in the movie. I, I, I love that scene. First of all, it's a perfect short film in itself. And if for whatever reason you haven't seen Jaws, 
this scene is a study in how to build tension. Things start out great. The crowd is having a lovely day at the beach. There's a kid. There's people running into the water. Um, you hear a radio announcer. It's, it sounds like a transistor radio is playing on, on the beach. Listen to that extremely appropriate ferry information. So you hear some of that. You hear people laughing. You hear the guy calling for his dog. And you're building suspense because uh, we, we, the audience, know that there's a shark out there. And then you hear the scream. Individual voices start expressing curiosity, then shock. Oh my God, look, oh, oh God, look, look, help, help, you know, somebody do something. We hear it even in the tension of the voices of the uh, background actors, and then you realize the kid's dead. So it's, it's, it's all of a piece. In this scene, Carl and Allison invented a new profession, human background sound acting. That offhand idea, born in Verna's garage, to make Jaws just a little more authentic, it was the start of something much bigger. Forty years later, these background sound actors are everywhere. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. You don't think that I can tell a difference? <laughs> Dude, Troy peed himself. <laughs> well, um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday. We're, uh, we're going to go to Home Depot. Thank you. Official business, sir, ma'am. Emergency. Please step aside. I'm not going without you. No, you have to go. Now. No, Jack. Come in and Get in the boat, Lance. No, Are you not yes. entertained? Oh, so it slowly became an industry standard. Now it's the industry standard for films and TV shows. And this is how the magic happens. Uh, everybody up on the small line. We're on a background sound session for the CBS cop show, Blue Bloods. It's a padded room, couches in the back, mics in the front. Let's try one with a different tone, which is still the anger and whatnot, but the context of the argument is get out of our neighborhood. This doesn't belong here. Like, it's you guys rising above his bad actions instead of just going back at an attack towards him. Sure. This is a what's my motivation conversation about background noise. This is Rhubarb Sassafras 2.0. In this session, the actors are watching tiny snippets of the show on loop. They call themselves loopers. And for you sound nerds, looping is a totally separate process from Foley sound effects. It's just for human background sound. 
You want to hit right on to the Loop Group specials and get those going? That's Stuart Stanley, the sound supervisor. Super. And you guys like to, to get actory? That's Dan Fink. He's the head of this loop group. And you have heard Dan's noises in hundreds of movies and shows. Gravity, Arrival, Beauty and the Beast. He's working with a group of loopers. And for a lot of these actors, looping is a well-paid side hustle. Hi, I'm Daphne Gaines. I am Axel Avon Jr. I'm Ebony Booth. I'm Shannon Burkett. I'm Dennis Carnegie. I'm an actor. We have many roles on Blue Bloods. And so from scene to scene, we change characters according to what's needed in the scene. What about today? What are the specific roles that you're playing today? Police officers. Folks, please stand back. Ma'am, please step back. Everything's going to be okay. We can give you no information right now. People working in the mayor's office, forensics, heavy forensics. They're playing the ancillary characters, the faces out of focus, the specks on the horizon, the random elbow that pops into frame. And today, they're also doing the paramedics behind the detectives. They're, they're hard at work trying to trying, trying to keep them alive. That's okay. an ambu bag. Ambu, ambu bag? Yeah. Okay. Ambu bag. Yeah. And they've got to know paramedic speak because they're improving everything. Pressure's dropping. I got the ambu bag. Okay. BP is He's low. losing a lot. Yeah, BP's racing. You got it? No, not good. Let's play, play it back. Yes, sir, detectives. What do we got? Pressure dropping. Okay. Hey, is he talking? He's circling the drain. Yeah, he's racing. Lee. Lee, do you know who did this to you? You got him. Sir? Good. I'll place it around where we need it. Cool. Moving on. Do you have to do research? Oh, yes. 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 What does the research look like? I'm sure I'm on FBI and CIA lists because I'm looking up FBI glossary, FBI language. I'm sure they're like, follow this guy. Because when you go up there and those beeps go off, you have to have the information and you have to have it at the tip of your tongue. I used to have it all written and I, and I had a book, I'm not kidding, a couple inches thick of, of everything. and uh, Like of all the kinds of... Roles you might play? Hospital, forensics. There's a white supremacist element in this episode. (laughs) We're just trying to secure secure the permits for the uh, rally. So we're playing white supremacists, and I'm African-American, you can't see me, but yeah, that's kind of fun. (laughs) Different perspective. (laughs) Is it fun? Yeah. It is so much fun. It's a lot of fun. It's surprisingly fun. For for me, as an African-American actor, it's liberating in voice because I can be white, black, Italian, Spanish, British, you don't know what I am. But when I go on camera for television, I'm limited by certain roles. So I'm not as stereotyped by my voice because you don't know who or what I am. Can you it, show, can you do some of your like if I If I just started to talk like I was from England, you would know, particularly if I was black or white or what. I'm just there. Or I can be a cop. What are you doing over here? Get up against the wall. What are you doing? But then I'm like, yeah, man, I ain't doing nothing. Why you put me up against the wall, brother? So I can be all of those people. And Dan is wonderful at that. He doesn't put us in a box because I have a million voices, a million voices. Besides doing a million voices, a good looper also has to master the microest of nonverbal performances. Grunts, yells, sniffles, snorts. <coughs> or in this case, it was somebody falling off a skateboard, getting clotheslined and falling off a skateboard. Can you give, give me a watch it, watch it, watch it? Yep. Before you, he comes in. Watch it, watch it! Oh, 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 oh. Damn, that was good. I like that better. It's always kind of uh, 
very delicate situation to get the exact right sound for what you're seeing. What are the smallest types of sounds that you add to a scene? We do sighs. We we do simple breath sometimes. And it's amazing when you go back and see a film that you've worked on and you hear how a simple breath has changed the magnitude of that scene. <sighs> There's a million ways to exhale. Hmm. So little tiny things like that can really, really help storytell. And it all depends what mood you want to create. Can you mess up the mood? What's like the biggest faux pas of looping? Oh, boy. The biggest challenge is because we're not front and center, we have to be uninteresting. Actors look for drama or conflict. But in this, we have to be nondescript. Interesting, but not interesting enough. So we don't want to pull focus from what. So it's difficult finding that medium line. I want to hear all about this because this seems like the opposite of every other kind of acting. Yeah. We're the sizing on the canvas. We're not the painting. So we have to be there as the foundation so that everybody can become compelled and captivated by the foreground. What are the traps that people fall into where they make things too interesting? Oh, boy, it's and every single person has done it. Everybody, you know, you get a gut instinct and you go with it. Um, Going negative is never, never really a productive way to go. But that's all improv. That's not just that's just not us. All of a sudden talking about like, you know, something like, you know, oh, when my grandmother was shot in the head (laughs) by my brother who was, you know, there's nowhere to go from there. It's horrible. You you start talking like that and people are going to be like, you know, if it's just loud enough, people are going to be like, what is going on over there? You know, so like, believe it or not, the tone is going to come through. If I were to listen for the best looping, is there are there go to scenes and you're like this? They crushed it in this movie or in this scene. The the good moments are the ones that I watch a a film or or show and I can I hear the people that I've worked with or I know them and I heard you the other night in a bummy hotel seedy as hell having an argument through a door and it was fucked <laughs> so you couldn't even really hear her voice but it sounded so authentic yeah. you could like smell the urine in the staircases it was just the voice was perfect you couldn't hear it but just this muffled argument it was perfect Forty years after Jaws, human background sound has become integral in films, TV shows, and more. It's an art form all its own. And with every art form, there are perfectionists. I mean, there are certain shows that the director um, slash creator writes almost all of the dialogue. He is creating, you know, an orchestra piece, and he wants, you know, he hears it all. Every single instrument he has mapped in his mind, and he wants to hear it. And it's incredible. It is, and it and it and it shows. I mean, I think um, his pieces are um, stellar. Stellar. We'll find out who they're talking about after the break. When you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What? Oh my goodness! Wow! Radiolab. Whoa. Adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Forty years ago, the profession of background sound acting was invented in a garage. Since then, actors and directors have elevated the practice into an art form. While Flora was reporting on this story, one name was brought up over and over again. It was the name of a master in the art of looping. Here's Flora. You know, when we were on this, when we were meeting with this loop group in New York, just naturally in conversation, the loopers we were talking to started sort of talking in these hushed, reverent tones. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. (laughs) About one director, one creator, who is so meticulous that... He scripts the looping. Yeah. David Simon. (laughs) So it's not apocryphal. No, unfortunately, it's true. This is Will Ralston. Will has been the supervising sound editor for many of David Simon's projects. You know, we started this process on The Wire. Um, That was the first show that I was involved with that David worked on. Just like with Steven Spielberg, Will says that David Simon's attention to looping is about this obsession with authenticity. He writes all the loopers' lines, and on The Wire, he hired non-actors for the loopers' parts, people from the neighborhoods where the story was set. I think all of this is really ultimately born of his uh, lack of embrace of uh, score. He doesn't, he doesn't like to hear music, um, in his storytelling. Oh, that's interesting. Which I think is, it just kind of comes from his journalistic background. It's, he's not, you know, none of us are harboring the illusion that we're creating a documentary per se, but um, there's something about a score that says, we're trying to manipulate you now, and this is how you should feel, and this is, you know, this is the energy we're going for. And he'd rather kind of build that world with off-screen sound. Can looping act like a score? Totally. I mean, not not just looping, but all of all of sound can really do that. I mean, um, like if you go going back to the wire, especially like the Hamsterdam stuff, I mean, creating that whole world like an open air drug market. Everybody's talking at once, but you have to find a way to make them all kind of breathe and, and have their moment. They're all like instruments and you're just trying to build this this symphony that's really a cacophony of an open-air drug market. Are there particular sounds or ways that that you can make me feel something with looping or with background sound? 
Um, yeah, I mean, like just for an example, if you're if you're watching a character walk down a street and it's dark, if you want that person to feel lonely, um, put some people in the background somewhere off camera having a good time because they're having a good time without our character. You know, he's oh, been wow. separated from it. If you want that person to feel danger, um, put a distant siren or somebody, you know, a, a, a couple of people having an argument just around the corner. So that, you know, there's this sense of tension and that there's something going wrong in the world. We don't have to see it. If we can hear it, we're going to kind of attribute the emotion that we're feeling to the person we're looking at on camera. This seems like subliminal storytelling. Oh, totally. Totally. The thing is, with sound, you're only doing a good job if nobody notices that you've done anything. Well, we spoiled that. After listening to this you'll always notice, if you want to. It's, it's kind of like the, the old a- adage about sausage. You know, you, li- you like sausage, but you don't want to see it made. And like, a, like every magic trick, you, you, you don't want to know exactly how it's done. So you, you immerse, you, you surrender to the experience. And, you know, people who don't surrender to the experience, I think uh, our word for them is nerds <laughs> or obsessives, uh, because they're, they're looking at the elements of the piece, not, not the whole piece. Well, I wonder if we could be both. Maybe you can be both a nerd and then surrender, if you want. Yeah, exactly. For everyday life, um, what are tips that people could take away from looping? Listening, listening, yeah. Listening, yeah, yeah I'm I mean, I think one thing we learn is to not talk wall to wall. I just ad nauseum, like constant, with no breaks, da, 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 to take breaks, listen, have some air, you know, and it's I think it's we're, we're replicating. Lesson, like when you're in a conversation, like don't feel the need to drive it all the time. Like sure. sit back, listen for a second, intake that information, and then give it back, you know? Take your time. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound, a sound design team that makes television, film, and games sound amazing. Find out more at defactosound.com. Every Little Thing was produced by Phoebe Flanagan with Flora Lichtman, Catherine Wells, Christine Driscoll, and Devin Taylor. Production help from Nicole Pasulka and Doug Barron. Dara Hirsch mixed this episode. If you want to look for loopers in credits, the official credit is ADR Voice Casting for automated dialogue replacement. You can hear more episodes of Every Little Thing by visiting their website, elt.show. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And hear more of our show at our website, 20k.org. There, you can stream our archives, send us suggestions, reach out about advertising, and even buy a 20,000 Hertz t-shirt. You can also get looped into all things 20,000 Hertz by signing up for our super fan newsletter at newsletter.20k.org. Finally, if you want to share the show with your friends, we would be eternally grateful. Please do that. Thanks for listening. <laughs>